right, so uh, how, many of you, how many of you have Facebook? All right, let's just see hands, Facebook, crowd, loud, proud. Woo! All right, good. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, and, uh, and so I have a fairly simple uh, kind of simple philosophy on Facebook, and that is anybody who wants to be my friend can, you know, be my friend. So um, usually the way I've done Facebook in the past is if I get a, if I get a friend request from someone... Um, I've just kind of learned a little bit over the last year. So I'll usually go to their, their wall and check out their wall. And if there isn't anything like obviously, you know, screaming like trouble, um, then I'll just, you know, sure, we can be friends. Uh, I'm needy. I need more friends. So yeah, um, so we'll be friends. So about, I think it was about a week ago or so, um, I got a friend request. Um, it was from a lady and I was saying, you know, went on, looked on her wall, wall looked fine. And uh, she, was, she was actually friends with someone who was a friend of mine. And so I thought, well, if she's a friend of his, then she's probably a friend of mine. And so I, you know, said, sure, that's great. It'd be good. Made her my friend. And then um, I noticed like um, a couple hours later, then like I noticed Matthias was her friend and a couple other people in the church were her friends. And then um, the next day I got an email from a buddy of mine uh, who doesn't, uh, doesn't live here, doesn't live in the area. He's a little ways off, and he sent me an email, and he said, hey, so-and-so is a uh, friend requested me, and uh, I don't think I know her. Do I know her? And so it was a person that I'd become friends with, and I thought, well, now that's weird. I mean, how would she know him, and he doesn't live anywhere near here, and all that stuff. And so I kind of went back on and checked a little bit, and, you know, kind of like scratched my head, and here's what I noticed. Like, in the last 24 hours, she had become friends with a lot of my friends, but the only thing that was interesting was every single one of them were guys. Every one of them were males. And so she was like becoming friends with all of my friends that were guys. And it kind of worried me a little bit. So I kind of went on, looked around, and, and I thought of something I hadn't really thought of before. I thought, you know, I don't really care if, 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 if people are my friends and I don't know them. I don't care if they're believers or not believers. If they're not believers, they can hang out on my wall, maybe hear about Christ. If they're like cats, they could still get saved too, you know, if they hang around my wall. And so, so here's the deal. So I'm thinking about that, but then I started thinking to myself, well, you know, I got a lot of friends and uh, I think what was happening was they were all becoming friends with her because they saw that I was friends with her. So I went back and I checked on her wall and it got me kind of, kind of worried about some of my friends. So I decided I better just, uh, so I, I unfriended her. And as soon as I unfriended her, um, I got a little message right away. And um, if there was any doubt about her intentions, um, I discovered immediately that her intentions were not honorable. She didn't have, I won't go into details, but I don't think she had my best interests in mind when she became my friend. So, of course, immediately my, my concern was that um, some of you had become friends with her. And I was, so I actually got on the phone and got on Facebook and I called some of you and I said, you know, there's somebody on Facebook. And, you know, I know you probably befriended her because I was her friend, but I befriended her because she was someone else's friend. And the whole thing just went ugly and I would unfriend her right away. And a lot of you were just like, okay, unclick, click, you know, and I could see uh, you were all disappearing from her page, which is really good. But here's the reason I tell you the story. First of all, just to be really careful about Facebook, because here's what I learned. Just because Matthias is somebody's friend doesn't really mean much. So, all right. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Matthias. It was, I was actually first. So, um, uh, here's the second thing. Um, not everybody has your best interest at heart. And that's why it's so important because we, we live in a world where we cannot be fully protected from the people around us who might want to use us and abuse us. But we need, we all need people in our lives who love us, people who care about us, people who have y- your best interest at heart. 
And that's really what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about the fridge, and we've kind of been talking about that whole scenario. We're talking about gospel community. And the very first week, we kind of defined gospel community this way. A gospel community is a group of people who put Jesus at the center, and they commit to loving each other as Jesus has loved us. So now, ideally, you could have all sorts of gospel communities in your life. Like your marriage could be a gospel community, a really small gospel community, but a place where Jesus is at the center and where you're committed to loving one another as Jesus has loved you. Your family could be a gospel community. Um, You know, you might work at a place where uh, it's a gospel community. Those are all possible. But part of the reason, you know, as a church, we have a strategy, which is grow groups. We have grow groups at Gateway, and our grow groups are places where gospel communities can, can flourish and can grow. And the reason we do that is, is simply this. You might be married, and your marriage might be a gospel community, but two people is not enough. In fact, just to be technical, if you're married, you're one. So there's just one of you, okay? And you need some other people in your life to love you, to support you, to strengthen you, to be there for you. We're all going to need it, right? So we just have to understand that. Now, at Gateway, we're not leaving it to chance. We believe that it's so important to be in a gospel community that we have this ministry called Grow Groups, and it's why we go on and on and on. And again, you know, this, we, we were supposed to be done with this series last week, and just things kind of got away from me, and as it turned out, we were only halfway through um, last week. But we're going to talk some more tonight, kind of the, the other side of what we talked about last week. Why should you be in a gospel community? And to get us started, um, we're going to look to the youth group, because they, uh, they put together a video a few weeks ago on top 10 reasons why you should join a Grow Group. And we're going to show to you because it's not just for them, adults. Some of this relates to us as well. Here are 10 reasons to join small groups. The small groups are very awesome. They have nice bathrooms. You should join a small group because some of the houses have really comfy couches. I don't know. I'm going to be there. Because <laughs> it's fun. We do fun games every night. Small groups are super fun. The games, those are pretty fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, there's food. There's really good snacks a lot of times. Sometimes you get to go to fun places like the mall. We did fun activities for the holidays at my leader's house. If you have a really cool small group leader, you get to go to the East Street Market. There's people at your high school that you don't know or middle school that will be in that small group and you can get to know them and be friends forever. You can get to know people in your school. Because it's awesome and you get to meet new friends. You get to sit around and with your friends that you go to school with and talk about Jesus for like hours without any end, I guess. It's a great place to make good friends who spiritually encourage each other and support one another. And we all need that. Everybody needs those kind of relationships, and that's what a girl group is all about. You can talk about, like, your week and things that are going on in your life that you need help with, and your leader can guide you through it. There's us leaders. Us leaders are, like, the coolest people in the world. So you should come and get to know your leaders. The leaders are really cool. It's just really fun to hear about their lives and to speak into their lives. And um, basically, they help me a lot as I, you know, grow and learn about God as well. 
youth group is awesome because you have everyone in one place and it's fantastic. One of the special things about small groups is that you can have a couple of close friends together or you might have a group with some new people. It gives you an opportunity to become very close with these people, learn how to fellowship with one another. There are nice people that know others who are followers of Christ. So they have a chance to fellowship with other believers. You get to grow in your relationships with other girls or boys and they're a great way to like get to know people and talk about God and all that stuff. You should also come to small groups to get to know God. Duh. It's half the reason why we have small groups. Not because of the food, not because the bathrooms are nice, but because God is there. So, get to know God. It's a really good way to learn and understand the Bible. Get to know God better. To learn more about God and um, learn all the stories. Chance to grow in their faith. You get stronger with your faith. I just think that if people do this, it will be a good experience for them to explore God's Word. Just do it. Just go do it. Do it. It's a great experience for your life. Yeah. Wow, that was really sassy. Uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about eight principles for building gospel communities. And the first week we said that we, uh, that me is we. And if you weren't here, you have to go back and listen to that. The second week we talked about the fact that in a gospel community, Jesus is at the center. Uh, the third principle is that we live inside out. That's how God works in our life. That's how we need to work in each other's life. And last week we talked about the fact that leaders care. So last week was supposed to be just like, Well, last week's message and this week's message, and it didn't quite work out. We just talked about leaders last week, but but I hope that you appreciate your grow group leaders. In fact, last Sunday, after a long weekend, our leaders gathered here for, I think, three hours next door, and uh, they got some training, and here is uh, some of Matthias. Well, Matthias talks a lot, but he just talked and talked, and they listened, and and, uh, they ate some food, too. They also came to eat food, I guess. There's Marnie eating food, but they're like... uh, but here's, here's the reason why they would come. I'm just going to leave that there for a while. While they would come and spend three hours uh, just, just studying and talking and sharing. And it's because of you. It's because they love you. It's because they care for you. They want to be better leaders. And for some people, apparently they were just hungry. But anyway, so, but I don't know about you. I'm grateful for our grow group leaders, those who are next door right now with our kids, uh, those who lead our, our youth, those who lead our adults. But today we're going on to principle number five, which is in a gospel community, everyone contributes. Everyone contributes. Now, again, um, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes in churches, um, not everyone contributes. Sometimes just the leaders contribute. I showed uh, on Saturday night this video. I didn't show it Sunday. So in case you were here Sunday and not Saturday, I'll show it again. But sometimes when people think of church, it's kind of, their picture's more like this. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church. But we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. 
When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. All right, so we would probably never actually say that that's our picture of church, but sometimes that's kind of our attitude when we get together with other believers. And what we're saying is this, that in a, in a gospel community, everyone contributes and everyone is, because everyone is gifted and because everyone is needed. In a, in a gospel community, there aren't, there aren't people who are passive. There aren't people who are just consumers. But everyone contributes. And the main passage we're going to look at uh, tonight is found in the book of Romans chapter 12. Uh, if you've ever studied spiritual gifts, you know there's kind of three main passages. We often look at Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. And this is what Paul says in Romans 12, 4. He says, now, just as each of us have one body with many members or with, with many parts... And these, these members, these parts do not all have the same function. This is going to give us a little analogy. He says, now think for a minute as you think about the church. Think about your own body. So each one of us have a body that's made up of, of many parts, of, of many members. And, and each one of them ha- have kind of slightly different roles. So, for instance, a few minutes ago, I was, I was leading worship. So, like, I, you know, all the parts were kind of working. Like, my, my right hand was strumming and picking, and this hand was, like, you know, trying to play notes and chords. And, and my vocal cords were, you know trying to produce notes and my lungs were working and my eyes were reading the words because I can't ever remember the words and my brain was trying to remember like what's the next note and my feet were holding me up and he's just saying you know when it comes to your own body all of the parts are always all involved they're all doing stuff and and we might not always think about how our body is has all these parts that are always involved but but they always are so your body is just one body but it has many, many parts to it. And all those parts are important. So here's the picture he's given us. It's that, that the church is kind of like the body. He calls it the body of Christ. He says, so in Christ, we who uh, are many form one body. So now he's just saying, remember, you think about your body. It's got a lot of different parts to it, but it's just one body. In the same way that the church... Remember, when we talk about the church, we talk about the universal church, and then we talk about the, the local gathering of the church. And it's true for all these. He says, he says and, and each member belongs to all the others. So a gospel community is kind of like a body, just, just one body, but, but many people. And each, each person in the body is unique. Um, maybe you've noticed that, that people in this room have unique personalities. Not everyone's exactly like you, and you might be thankful for that. Um, they have different abilities, different, different perspectives. Now, sometimes people don't like that. Sometimes people just want to be around people who are like them. Um, we'll talk more about that next week in particular and how that enters into to the gospel. But what he says here is that we, we are all part of the same body. And notice what he says. And we belong to each other, which is an interesting thought, right? What he's saying is that, that in fact, my time isn't just my time. That my money isn't just, just my money. That, that your abilities are not just your abilities. What he says is we, we belong to each other. Sometimes we, we forget about that. Sometimes as we go through life, we're just like, well, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? How do I want to spend my money? What do I want to watch? And we forget that we are 
right? Me is we. We are connected. And that's, that's part of what Paul's driving down here. Now, I think part of the reason that he, he goes at this in Romans 12 and again in 1 Corinthians 12 and goes at it in Ephesians is because it's easy to say, but it's not always easy for us to, to really grab onto that, is it? It's easy for us to think, I, I'm part of the body of Christ and, and I belong to all the other members, but it's so easy to just kind of leave church and just live in a different, in a different way. Well, he goes on in verse 6 and he says this. Now, we, we have different gifts according to the grace that was given to us. So now he's going to talk about something we call spiritual gifts. And um, sometimes it's, we don't understand that the word spiritual gift doesn't actually appear in this passage. The, the word gifts is, is actually the word grace um, or the idea of a graciousness or a gift that God gives to us. And what he says here is that every one of us have gifts or we call them spiritual gifts or abilities that God has given to us. Now, we call them spiritual gifts, and uh, we could define a spiritual gift this way. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability that is activated in, in me, activated in you, by the Holy Spirit when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. So it's, it's not a, a natural ability. Some people say we all kind of have natural abilities that we were born with, and you don't have to be saved to have natural ability. Like some people are athletic. Um, some people are musical. Some people are mechanical. Some people are bald. It's like, you know, we all have like these different kind of a natural. It's when you were born, you were kind of genetically hardwired for these things. And you don't have to be saved to have these natural abilities. But a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that's given to you by God. And it is supernaturally empowered it, is super, it produces supernatural results. Like, like for instance, um, maybe let's take the gift of evangelism. We talked about that last week. Now, all believers are to share their faith. But a person who has the, the gift of evangelism, it's not a natural gift. It's not just like, well, they're outgoing people or they're good debaters. In fact, oftentimes people who have the gift of evangelism aren't actually that good at debating and they're not that outgoing. It's not a natural gift. In fact, it's a supernatural gift. It's given by God, it's empowered by God, and it produces supernatural results. One of the things about a spiritual gift is it produces results that you would not normally find in a person. And everyone has a spiritual gift. Everyone, and that includes you. Um, going on in the passage, he says this, and he gives us some ideas. Here's some different gifts. If, if your gift is serving, then, then let him serve or let her serve. If it is teaching, then, then let them teach. If your gift is encouraging, then let that person encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, then, then let them give generously. If it is leadership, then let them govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, then let them do that cheerfully. And this, this list is not comprehensive. You can look in other passages of Scripture and see some other spiritual gifts. And uh, some, some lists are pretty big, like uh, Scripture seems to indicate that faith is a spiritual gift. And we're not talking about like faith, like when I place my faith in Christ. That's not a spiritual gift like he's talking about here. Uh, the, the, the spiritual gift of faith is people who don't just have faith, but have you ever met people who have like super crazy faith and they'll do like just weird things for God? Because God gives some people the gift of faith. Um, we're told in scripture that there is a spiritual gift of miracles, that there is a gift of hospitality, the gift of wisdom, of counsel, of comfort, um, administration, shepherding, meeting the practical needs of other people. In fact, at, at Gateway, what we often teach is this. We say that everybody has a shape. 
Okay, no, we're not talking about your physical shape, although we all have one of those too. But when we talk about shape, S-H-A-P-E, we say that God, what makes each one of us unique is that we all have a shape. The S stands for spiritual gifts, and that's part of what makes us unique. The H is for heart or, or passion. So every one of you, God has given you certain passions in life. And, and all of our passions are a little bit different. Um, the A is for natural abilities that God gives us. So again, some are musical, some are mechanical, some are good at math, some are not. Um, and the P is for personality. Again, unique personalities. And then the E is for experience. And when you put all those together, it makes every single one of us unique. And what he says here is that this uniqueness, these spiritual gifts that God gives you, and this is, here's the important part right here. Spiritual gifts are for using, all right? So I don't have that in your notes, but you might want to write it down. Spiritual gifts are for using. Spiritual gifts aren't just to study. And for some people, that's as far as they ever get, you know? Oh, well, I've studied the spiritual gifts, and I know what it means in the Greek, and I've got a list of gifts, and that's really not what this is about. It's not just about studying it and researching it and being able to take a test and, you know, label your gift and I know what mine is and all that. That's not what this is about. Notice what he says. He he talks about this again. um, We go backward here. He says, notice if, if your gift is serving, notice what he says, let him study serving a lot, right? No, what does he say? He says, let him what? Serve, right? So if your gift is serving, start serving it. Not rocket science, right? If, if your gift is teaching, then you need to start finding a way to teach. If your gift is encouraging, so some people have the gift of encouragement. And here's what I find, like, some people don't, okay? So, like, you know what I'm talking about. Some people just come up, put their, put their arm around you, and you're like, they're so encouraging. And then some people, God bless them, no matter how much they try, they're just not that encouraging. It's a spiritual gift. Uh, if it's contributing to the needs of the saints— some people have the gift of when they see a need, they want to meet that need. They're going to, they're going to you know, write you a check or they're going to cook you a meal or they're going to mow your lawn. And that's, that's their gift and they're, they're good at it. And he says, do it generously. If your gift is leadership, some people have the ability to walk into a room, to see a mess and just to organize that thing, right? And he says, if that's your gift, then do it, then use it. If it's showing mercy, and again, um, you know, some people are just so merciful. They just exude mercy and some of us, we just, we try so hard, you know? And no matter how hard we try, it just doesn't quite come out. But he says, let him do it. Notice, let him do it cheerfully. Now, sometimes as Christians, we forget. We forget that truth is not merely something to know about, right? right? Now, it's important to know truth. It's important to study the truth. It's important to get into the word of God and find out what is true, So you're living according to the truth. But God doesn't want us to stop with just knowing the truth. And it's where a lot of Christians get stuck. And then they become proud and they become stagnant and a little sour. And, you know, it's not fun to be around because they're not using what they know. But what God says is truth isn't just something to know. It's also something to engage in. It's something to put into practice. So God doesn't just want you to know about faith. God wants you to exercise faith. God doesn't just want you to know that you should trust Jesus. God wants you to trust Jesus. God doesn't just want you to know about praying. He wants you to pray. He doesn't want you to just know about sexual purity. He wants you to practice sexual purity. He doesn't want you to just know about love. He wants you to love the person who's next to you. He wants you to, to do that, to, to practice that. And the same is true with spiritual gifts. God wants us to engage in our spiritual gifts. 
When I attended Bible college, I, I went to college originally because I wanted to go into uh, worship ministry. And my first semester, I've told you this, but the first semester I was there uh, involved in a worship ministry, but I was going to this really small church. So there was like, that a Sunday school, remember? Remember Sunday school? You people don't even go to church on Sunday, so whatever. It's like, right, but, but we used to have this thing called Sunday schools on Sunday, and it was like school. And, um, you know, we'd go there first before church usually, and uh, they had this Sunday school class um, that had some high schoolers. I think there was like eight high schoolers in there. And um, I went there a few weeks, and the, the teacher was sick one week, so I filled in and taught. I had never taught before, and I taught. And in the process, I was like, you know, I kind of thought, this is what God wants me to do. And so I went to the pastor and I said, you know, I'm not sure what to do. I'm enrolled in worship ministry, but I really, I've just discovered teaching. And so he came in and sat in for a few weeks what I taught. And at the end, he said, look, it, I think the teaching is your spiritual gift. So you need to go to school and you need to change your major. All right. And then you need to learn everything that you can about teaching. And also you need to start teaching as much as you can right now in an appropriate setting. And as it so happens, we don't have a teacher in high school, so you can do that. And so he wanted me to do two things, to learn as much as I could about the gift, but also to do it, to practice it in an appropriate setting and to do it now. In Romans 12, going on in verse 9, notice it says this. It says, now love must be sincere. Now, here's an interesting thing that you'll notice. If you look at the three major passages on spiritual gifts, if you look in Romans 12, if you look in 1 Corinthians 12, and if you look in Ephesians 4, what you find is this. Every major section on spiritual gifts is always followed up with a discussion on love. So, for instance, you have 1 Corinthians 12, and then you have 1 Corinthians 13, which we often call the love chapter. And the question is, why does he always follow up spiritual gifts by talking about love? Because we can forget. Sometimes we can take our gifts and become very selfish with our spiritual gifts. And what he wants to remind us is, your spiritual gift isn't about you. It's about the people around you. It's about serving them and loving them. So he says, love must be sincere. Don't practice your spiritual gifts in a, in a selfish, self-centered way. In your relationships, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And notice, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. So a lot of times... We can fall into the trap of thinking that church it exists to serve me. That the music is all, you know, it should be the, the, the music should be the songs I like. The coffee should be the, 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 the kind I like. You know, the sermon should be about the stuff I like. And the outline should be about the kind of outlines that I like. It should rhyme or only have one point or whatever it is. It should be as long as I want. The church should have the programs I want. They should gather when I think, you know, they should gather. And, and, and the reality is, when you come to church, when you get together with other believers, when you gather on Wednesday night for youth group or Sunday night or whenever it is, there's a lot for you to get. There's a lot that God wants to bless you with when you get together with other people, but God also gives you something to give when you get together with other, with other people. So part of what I think scripture is saying is there needs to be this, this balance where when we're with other believers, we're going to be blessed but we're also going to be those who bless. We're going to be those who serve other people. We all have something to contribute, everyone. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it tells us this, to, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Notice this, we're all given spiritual gifts for the common good, 
right? So for instance, this is happening right now and has been happening tonight. So while you're in here, there are people who have been serving for the, for the common good, for the good of everyone. There were people who, um, you know, came in this evening and, uh, you know, they got the nursery ready and they got kids church ready and the band kind of rehearsed. And, and as you came in, there were people who were handing out bulletins, right? That I'm sure you've read from cover to cover carefully. Hint, hint. And, uh, right. And then there were people who welcomed you in. People made the coffee for you tonight. Why'd they make coffee? For the common good, right? So you'd be in here and have some caffeine and get jacked up and, you know, be ready to go. And, right. And, and there are people that are serving right now back in, in the children's center. They're serving us by, by watching our young children and not just by watching them, but teaching them and blessing them and ministering to them. There are people next door right now who are blessing our kids and teaching them the word of God and they're breaking down into small groups. And, and what he says is that when we get together, it's a place for all of us to give something. And it's also true in our grow groups. Last week, we talked about grow groups and how every group has a leader and that leader comes to serve. That leader comes to bless. That leader prays for you all week long. And when you come into that room, we, we had our, our grow group meeting on Thursday night. And my goal when we got together was to bless every, everyone in our room. I wanted everyone who left on Thursday night to feel like, I'm so glad that I came here. I wanted to serve them. But scripture says that when we get together with our grow groups, every one of us ourselves have something to give when we're there. And he goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 and says this, that, that God is the one who determines our gift. Notice this, he says, now, all of these, he's talking to gifts, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each individually as he wills. Now, I say that because sometimes we look at people who have other spiritual gifts and wish we had their gift. Have you ever done that? I wish I had that gift. I wish I could get up and do that thing. I wish I, I wish I was compassionate, you know? I wish I was really well organized. I wish, you know, that, that I could teach or whatever it is. And what he's saying is, it's, it's easy to look and compare yourself to other people, but the reality is that God has very carefully gifted you in a unique way to do something that only you can do. And when you get together with your grow groups, uh, for youth, when you get together uh, tomorrow, I think it is, with grow groups, for the rest of you, when you get together during the week, what scripture says is you bring something to that meeting that no one else brings to that meeting. God puts you into that group and fashioned that group for a reason. And, and here's the deal. If, if you don't exercise your gift, if you don't use your gift, then that gift is going to be missing because no one else can do that. And here's the, kind of the goal of spiritual gifts in a, in a grand scheme of things. In Ephesians 4, Paul says this, from him, that is from Christ, the whole body, that's all of us, were joined and, and held together by every supporting ligament. Again, he's kind of comparing us to a body. And it grows and it builds itself up in love. Notice this, as each part does its work. So if I understand what Paul's saying here, He's saying every one of you, when you get together with other believers, and, and not even just in your grow group, but even if you get together at Taco Bell, as hard as that is to believe, when you get together with other believers, you, you bring something to the table that no one else brings. And if you, don't, if you don't use that thing, if you don't exercise that gift, then the people around you, they don't get that because no one else can offer that to them. And, and I love this picture. He says that, that the body grows and builds itself up in love. 
But it does it as every part does its work. So what do we do with this as we close up tonight? Well, a couple of practical steps. And the first one I told you, this is the first point of every sermon in this series, all right? Join a group. So if you're not in a group, you need to get in a group. And the good news is we got groups starting tomorrow. We had some adult groups start this last week. It was pretty exciting to see how those got started. If you're still not in a group, it's not too late. Talk to one of the pastors. We'd love to get you in a group. Or maybe you know of a group that's going and you want to be in there. Just, you know, go invite yourself. Just just do it, all right? Um, and and what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is just, just get in a group. Like it made me think when I was working on the sermon this week, every now and then over the years of being a pastor, every now and then I'll, I'll see a couple and, you know, they'll like sit next, they're, they're dating and they sit next to each other and they hold hands and they're, you know, they're like all starry-eyed and this goes on for a few years. And, and they talk about getting married and they look at the magazines and she's got the dress and they've prayed about it and talked to people about it, you know, like they've been on talk shows about it and all that stuff. Sometimes I, every now and then I've had a couple come into church and I look and I shake their hands and I say, you know, you two should just get married, okay? Like just get it over with, all right? Because we've all been waiting for some of you, you've talked about being in a grow group. You've prayed about being in a grow group. I would say to you, just do it. Just join a grow, a grow group. Here's the second thing. When you join a grow, a grow group, you need to be what I'm calling a co-owner. All right? So like, think about it this way. What happens in a relationship when someone decides to be passive? Like what happens when someone doesn't own the group? When, they're not, when they don't take a, a, an interest in the group? When there's no buy-in? When, when you have a relationship with someone and they're kind of passive or, or they're just kind of self-centered, it's all about them, or like at the first sign of trouble, I'm out of here, I'm gone. You know, do those relationships go very well? Like do marriages work out well when one of the person is like, you know, I'm just, you're going to have to do it all, okay? And uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be passive or like, does it work well in the family when someone says, I don't really want to be engaged. You guys do all the work and I'll just kind of hang back and, you know, kind of see how it goes and, and. Of course, it never works well in a relationship when someone decides, I'm just going to kind of sit back and be passive. And in a grow group, the same thing is true. Right? Now, in a grow group, the leaders, it's their job to care. It's their job to be a shepherd, as we talked about last week. But in a healthy grow group, everyone co-owns the group. And what I mean by that is this. Everyone takes responsibility for everyone else in the group. Everyone, right? So if, if someone uh, shows up to group tonight and they have a need, people don't sit in the group and go, wow, it's really, they need prayer or they need a meal or they need a place to stay. Now, in a, in a healthy grow group, people don't sit back and go, well, I hope the leader does something about that. In a healthy group, everyone jumps in and says, I'm going to do something. All of us. I'm not going to wait for you. I'm not going to wait for the leader. I'm going to take some responsibility. In a healthy grow group, right, if someone doesn't show up, People go, I wonder where they are. I wonder how they're doing. It's not like, well, I hope the grow group leader gets in touch with them. We decide, you know what? I'm a co-owner in this group. I bought into this group. So you call them. You find out how they're doing. You find out how you can pray for them. In other words, don't be passive with your love for the people around you when you're with your grow group. If you're eating a meal, if, if, if you're going through the grow group guides, if you're in a Bible study, don't be passive. Get involved in the conversation. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. When people share their prayer requests, write that stuff down and pray for them because your group needs you to be fully invested. They need your spiritual gift. Your group needs your insight. Your group needs your perspective, your knowledge, your experiences. So you you become a co-owner in your group. And the third thing is this. You need to exercise whatever spiritual gift you have when you're with 
your grow group. Because God has given every one of you a gift. But, and this is important, every one of you have a spiritual gift, but not all of you are good at your gift. All right? Some of you are not good at your gift. And, and here's why. Okay, because when God gives you a spiritual gift, it's not like you wake up one morning and you, and you fully have that gift in all its glory and all its magnitude. It's not like if God gives you the gift of teaching, you give your life to Christ and the next morning you wake up and you're like the most amazing teacher ever, right? It doesn't work that way. In fact, you know, you, even if you've been teaching for a long time, sometimes, you know, it's like if you don't exercise that gift for a while, then you kind of get rusty at it, right? Because you've got to use or exercise your gift. The spiritual gift is kind of like a muscle and the more you use it, the stronger it gets and the more skilled you get at doing that thing. Uh, it becomes more natural for you. Other people are blessed more by your gift and you find yourself being more fulfilled when you use your gift. But grow groups are a great place for many of us to develop our gifts. So like, again, let's imagine if you have the gift of teaching, all right? If you, if you discover you have the gift of teaching, this right here right now is probably not the best place to develop that gift because this is a rough crowd. It's like tough, all right? So like the best thing to do sometimes is to find a place like a grow group where you can be with a small group of people and you can begin to, to practice teaching with those people and to develop that gift. If you have the gift of serving, again, a grow group is a great place to begin developing that ministry. If you have the gift of contributing to the needs of others, or if you have the gift of, of leadership, you know, and you kind of walk into your grow group and you're like, there's a bunch of great people, but this place is a mess, you know? Like maybe that's where you could use your gift or if you have the gift of hospitality. Because in a grow group, you're, you're filled with people who care about you. And as you develop your gift, they can be patient with you, you know, and they want to help you succeed and, and they want to bless you in the process. And if you don't know what your gift is, so like if you're here tonight going, I, all this, I, don't even know what a, I don't even know what my gift is. Couple suggestions. First of all, read scripture. And I've noted down in your notes a couple of passages you might start with. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. Talk to a person who is, who is spiritually mature and who knows you well. Find someone and just say, you know, do you have any idea what my gift might be and, and how I might go about developing that? You can call the church and we can give you something called a spiritual gifts inventory. It won't tell you what your gift is, but it will help kind of steer you in the right direction. And then ask your grow group leader. Just ask, how could I use my gift in our grow group? Maybe it's hospitality. That's an easy one in a grow group, right? We'll meet at your house, right? Or, or, or you can bring the food or you can organize that. Or maybe it's teaching and you could have an opportunity to teach in your grow group. Or maybe it's organizing the group. Or maybe it's wisdom or compassion or, or evangelism or, or whatever it is. But, but exercise your gift in your group. So as you get involved in groups, just remember, it's not just about coming and getting something. If your group's going to be good, it's about giving something. And here's the fourth thing in your group, and that is attend like it matters, all right? And the reason I say that is because it does matter. Let me read you a passage from Philippians 2. Paul's writing to the church, and, and he says this. If, if you have any encouragement, it kind of feels like Paul's scraping the bottom of the barrel here. He's talking to this group, and he's just trying to, he's trying to bring them along. So he says, okay, listen, guys, if, if you have any encouragement, do you have any encouragement at all? from being united with Christ, right? So if there's, if there's any encouragement at all, right? If there's any comfort from the love of Christ, if, if there's any fellowship with the, with the Spirit, 
with any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. And here's what he says, by being like-minded. So when you get together with other believers, be like-minded, having, having the same love, being one in spirit and being one in purpose, right? So we all come and we're all serving one another and do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. No, no one comes to a grow group and sits back and crosses their arm and says, feed me and, 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 you know, teach me and bless me. No one comes to church on Saturday night and just sits back and says, make me like the music, you know, make me fill out the outline, all right? We don't, we don't do that. We don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Notice, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And each of you, and this is, I love the way he puts this, each of you should look not only to your own interests, which you need to, but not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So in other words, some people attend their group as if it's just about them. And maybe they they feel like, well, I'm, I'm tired tonight. Or, you know, there's a rerun of Lost on tonight that I've only seen eight times. Or, you know, or didn't have a good day or I'd rather just whatever. And they decide, well, I'm not going to grow group tonight. I'm not going to church tonight. I'm not going to get together with believers tonight. But if me is we, then that means your attendance is not just about you. It's about other people in your group. In other words, you want to ask this question. How will my group be impacted if I am not there? If I'm not there to bless... If I'm not there to share my wisdom, right? I mean, if I'm not there, how will it impact the leader if I'm not there, right? What if somebody really needs my encouragement tonight and I'm not there? See, your constant and, and consistent participation matters. In fact, I'll tell you this, just even being up here on the weekends, on Saturday night, and sometimes when, when you're not here, you might find this hard to believe, but some of you, when you're not here, I notice that you're not here. And, and I miss the fact that you're not here because, because every one of you fill a role. Every one of you have an opportunity tonight when this is over to bless someone else in a way that no one else can do. And if you're not here, then it cannot happen. And if you're not a grow group, then y- your gift and what God has given you cannot be given. It just will not be there. And you need to understand that everyone matters, right? And so, and when you're not there, something is missing. So we, we attend like it matters. And the last thing is this, that we stay connected with one another through prayer. So when we, when we talk about serving one another, when our grow group's over and we leave, right? How do we, how do we still stay connected? Well, one of the ways we do it is we pray for one another. It's a powerful way for us to minister to one another, even when we're not together, so like my grow group, we shared prayer requests the other night and a few people weren't there. So I just wrote prayer requests for them. And uh, I don't know if I hit it right, Sharon, but I, you know, I got a request for you. And so today I was mowing the lawn and as I mowed the lawn, I prayed for everyone in my grow group because it's a great way for me to be thinking about them, to stay connected. Like just imagine for a moment a, a, a grow group where, where everyone is cared for, where everyone is loved and where everyone contributes. Think about a grow group like that. Think about a marriage. Imagine a marriage like that, where both people are cared for and both people bring something to the table and contribute. Imagine a family where everyone does it, not just mom, not just dad, but everybody. Imagine, uh, you know, being at work and it's like that. Imagine being here like that. Imagine your grow group like that. Well, that is exactly what God has in mind for your grow groups in your life. Well, 
We're going to uh, close here, and next week we're going to come back to what I think is going to be probably one of the most important and challenging messages in this series, and we hope that you can join us for that. But Pastor Ken's going to come up, and uh, he's going to close us this evening.